you in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> For a message this morning, you can turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 1 and chapter 2, chapter 1, I guess. Habakkuk chapter 1. <clears throat> this morning I want to look, or the title will be Visionary Saints. And uh, I'll look at some things in relation to our vision, similarities of our physical vision and our spiritual vision. Now we know that um, our physical vision probably decays and our spiritual vision can get better. Our physical vision seldom does that on its own. But you know that it's interesting the different the gift of sight that we have. It's a blessing. Poor poor eyes limit your sight and poor vision limits your deeds is a quote by Franklin Field. I think that's a true statement. In uh, Habakkuk here, he was looking around and he was seeing the things that, that around him were not the way they should be. And then God gave him a vision. I think I'll read some of these verses right now. Um, to read verse or chapter one and then chapter two verses one to four. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that arise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not. This is now God replying here, sorry, in verse 5. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously for I will work work in your days which you will not believe though it be told you for lo I raise up the Chaldeans that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling place that are not there they are terrible and dreadful their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves their horses also are swifter than the leopards and more fierce than the evening wolves, and their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from far, and they shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence, their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold. They shall heap dust and take it. 
Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them from judgment. And, Almighty God, thou hast established them for corruption. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? And makest men <clears throat> as the fishes of the sea, <clears throat> as the creeping thing that have no rule over them. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them up in their net and gather them in the drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? <clears throat> I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to, set, to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables and he will run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. These, <clears throat> these verses, Habakkuk is commanded to write that vision to make it plain. There's another quote by E. Paul Hovey. It says, a, man, sorry, a, a blind man's world is bound by the limits of his touch. An ignorant man's world by the limits of his knowledge. And a great man's world by the limits of his vision. There have been men with vision in the past. Well, there have been men with, with uh, military vision. Alexander the Great was one. He had great military vision. He conquered tremendous amount of, of the world in a very short time. Another man was Julius Caesar. He also had military vision. Napoleon had great military vision. He also conquered a large part of the world in a short time. Then there were people with artistic vision. Leonardo da Vinci had vision. Wolfgang Adamaeus Mozart had artistic vision as well. Then there were People with inventive vision, Thomas Edison would be one. He had imagination and vision. Wilbur and Orville Wright. And there were people with 
business or financial vision? Many that we could think of, but a few would be Sam Walton had financial vision. When you think of what all he accomplished with Walmart stores across the world. Bill Gates had business vision. Steve Jobs would be another one. Another person with uh, vision was Christopher Columbus. He not only physically, he used telescope for physical vision, but then he complemented that with further vision of discovering the world. What was it about these individuals that allowed them to achieve so much? It was vision, wasn't it? They used their vision to accomplish so much and to overcome insurmountable tasks. <clears throat> All right, first point we want to look at is vision. What is it and why do we need it? American Heritage Dictionary defines vision as one, the faculty of sight. And number two, something that is or has been seen. And number three, discerning perception. And the visionary term, or the definition of visionary, according to Wikipedia, is thinking about or planning the future with imagination or wisdom. And a visionary leader is a person with original ideas about what the future will or could be like. Well, that was a, a good definition of what we as Christians, the visionaries, that we need to be people with ideas about what the future will or could be like. <clears throat> John Maxwell says that vision is the ability to see, the faith to believe, and the courage to do. I'll just read that again. Vision is the ability to see, the faith to believe, and the courage to do. You know, vision and perception are closely tied together. And uh, not merely perceiving, but being able to see the broader picture. You know, not, too often our eyesight becomes narrow. And we maybe need cataract surgery in our spiritual lives to see the broader scope of life, to be able to take a step back from the situation we're in and to gain a broader perspective. <clears throat> Speaking about seeing things on a broader perspective, just in physical, physical things, how many of you have seen pictures of geoglyphs of the world? There are probably about five major ones around the world. Has anyone seen those? Or even just <clears throat> things that probably are hard to see from just on the ground. When we were in Guatemala, Stan and Kendra took us to the Paten um, main 
ruins there, the pyramids there. A number of you have probably been there and seen those. <clears throat> but these big pyramids in the jungle, if you just see one and then you go to the next one and see that one, they're amazing. But what you might not see from walking on the ground is that they're laid out in patterns or I don't know if they're actually all squared or not, but they're definitely laid out in a way that you can't just see from on the jungle floor. And we know that they didn't have drones when they were building them to to lay that all out. So and these other <clears throat> geoglyphs of the world are also amazing in that way. We know the Nazca lines in Peru built approximately 500 plus years ago. There's also what's called the Nazca lines of uh, Kazakh, Kazakhstan built over 2,000 years ago. You know, these shapes, animals and geometric shapes built of stone or just dug out lines. The Kazakhstan ones anywhere are 1,300 feet uh, long, some of those big. And the ones in Peru, also hundreds of feet big. Different shapes, birds, scorpion, just monkeys. There's all kinds of shapes that you can hardly see from on the ground, but from in the air, it's a beautiful shapes laid out. You know, these people that built them had a vision of what they were creating. I just uh, side note here, the ones in Kazakhstan were discovered by somebody looking on Google Earth and he saw the shape and since then they have seen them and I guess from on the ground you can kind of see them but but these people, why they built them, nobody really knows. Probably something to do with with worshiping their gods. Maybe some speculate, maybe it had to do with solar, the stars. They were trying to recreate things that they have seen. That's beside the point. <clears throat> the people that built them had a vision and they were able to put that into practice, literally. Do we have a vision that supersedes what we can see from right here, right at our present time, right where we are? <clears throat> and uh, are we spending the effort to build, you know, these those pyramids in Guatemala there? <clears throat> Tremendous amount of work that was put into building these just for the sake of probably something to do with their worship. <clears throat> Are we putting effort into the, the vision that God gives us to make sure that those following us will be able to also worship the true God by the, <clears throat> by the foundation that we are laying. Having a vision is more than just looking on the bright side. It is looking on God's side. Look at a 
some verses in Genesis. Genesis chapter 13, <clears throat> verses 14 to 15. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land that thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Here, God was blessing Abram with things that he could see, the area, the land that he could see with his physical eyes, God was going to give him. He was challenging him, I think, as well to have a spiritual vision. Then also chapter 15, verses 1 to 6, Genesis. <clears throat> After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Again here, the Lord showed him the stars of the heaven and said that his seed would be as great in number as that, as what he could see with his physical eyes. People seldom get to a destination of their choosing by mistake. You know, if we want to go somewhere, we don't very often, very rarely do we get to our destination of choice by mistake. But it takes vision, it takes planning, it takes effort and to execute those plans. Or both the hummingbird and the vulture, two different birds, but they can fly over the same area, over the same desert, desert and but have two vastly different uh, life experiences. All vultures see or all that they fixate on is rotting meat because that is what they're looking for. They thrive on that diet. But the hummingbirds maybe also see that, physically might see those, but they ignore the smelly flesh of the dead animals. Instead, they look for the colorful blossoms of the desert plants. The vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone, whereas hummingbirds live on what is now. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. Each bird 
finds what it is looking for. And the same way we all do as well. We also find what we are looking for. In the beginning, we read the passage there in Habakkuk, prophet. He witnessed the collapse of the kingdom, the rise of Babylon, and the reign of injustice. And uh, he was asking God, what are you going to do about this? Bogged down as he was, all he could see was the injustice before his eyes and not what God was working towards in the background, the, the larger picture that God had. Habakkuk lacked the total vision until God gave him that vision. <clears throat> Just, uh, it's also verse in... Uh, In Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, it's also speaking here of a vision. It's a familiar passage. You can turn to it if you want. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month Kislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these <clears throat> these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy of them that love him <clears throat> and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, <clears throat> the word that thou and this servant Moses saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee now, sorry, Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servant 
who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah also had a vision that he saw beyond himself. And also, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servant, upon the handmaid, in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. I think we are living in these times that he's talking about here, the last days. And I think God is wanting to, and I think he is, pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. He's giving visions to his people. Also Acts chapter 2 verse 17. says, and it should come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Do we have a vision? Are we open to God giving us these visions? A God-ordained vision will begin as a concern. Something will bother you about the way things are or the way things are heading. And uh, we will not just let them bother us, but we will try to do something about them. There are far more needs than any of us has the time or energy to meet, of course. But we need to start As you start by the grace of God to rebuild walls, you must first of all see the ruin that they are in. All right, the second part now, what prevents or hinders vision? Well, Satan wants to hinder our vision. But much like Habakkuk, most of us live with a narrow focus on life. We have allowed external factors and influences to hinder our vision and ultimately to define our lives. I think most of us probably lack control over our lives because we've surrendered that control to obligations and to people. I have three things here now that tend to hinder our vision, to limit our our sight. A would be finances. Some of us 
we allow our finances to limit our vision and to dictate our lives. We find ourselves under the burden of debt, of mortgage or rent payments, of vehicle payments. Hopefully not, but we might also have credit card debts, other other loans, and so on. Lifts. This goes on. We allow our finances to control our lives. We live our lives for the sole purpose of paying off our debts. And uh, don't get me wrong, we need, we need to pay off debts. We can't just allow them to continue to build. But I think if we have too much debt, that can limit our vision for other things, for what God really wants in our lives. So finances can be something that limits our vision. Number two, or be time. Some have allowed schedules to dictate our lives. We fill our schedules up. We work and we sleep, and in between we run hectically from one task to another. And none of these things in themselves are wrong. There's laundry, there's dishes, there's yard work, garden work, company work, ball games, on and on the list goes. In the end, we've got little or no time to maybe to fulfill the vision that God would have us would want to give into our lives. <clears throat> number or number three, family and friends. Maybe we are so busy maintaining the roles that we are in that we can't see anything broader for our lives. And don't get me wrong, obviously, our family, the, the roles that we have in our family are primary, are, are prime, primary responsibilities. But I think sometimes we can kind of become narrow that... We only see ourselves as those roles. We might only see ourselves as Michael's dad, or maybe only see ourselves as Linda's husband, or only see ourselves as Alan's son. We may we seem to maybe lose our identity, our identity apart from those roles. But do we see ourselves in God, according to God's bigger picture? Who is calling the shots in your life? Is your vision being hindered? Psalm 139, verses 13 to 17. <clears throat> Bringing in at verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are the thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! I think here he is saying, God, before I was ever created, you had a plan, a purpose for my life. You had a vision for me. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it, that God, before we were even created, before we were born, God had a vision for our lives. He had a purpose for us, each one of us individually. And uh, throughout our lives, he is trying to show us that vision and help us to also see that same vision for ourselves. So who is calling the shots in your life? Is it the bank? Is it the family? Is it your boss? Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And uh, that's collective way, and it's also personal way. If we don't have a vision, we perish. Each of us must have a vision for our lives, for our families, and collectively, we must have a vision for the church. Some of Satan's greatest attacks on vision, on the vision that God gives us, is each one of our own attitudes. There are two here that have an attitude that says, no one else cares, so why should I? And uh, I think that attitude is one that Satan continually tries to put into our minds. Think that no one else cares, so why should I? Or the attitude that says, no one appreciates what I'm going, what I'm doing or anything that I do, so I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and see what happens. These are um, tools of Satan that we need to continually put down and eradicate in our thoughts. Number three, how to discover visions. You know, we, from time to time, also need laser eye surgery in our lives. Gaining or regaining vision requires time and effort. It is a process that requires training. You know, physically, to have proper vision requires training as well. Learning to drive, you need to learn to see where the dangers are. Learning to drive professionally, when you have that much more weight, requires another whole dimension of vision. If you only look where you normally do driving a car, you're not going to be very successful driving a truck. You need to see where the dangers are so that you can stop in time if something unexpected happens. <clears throat> the same way with with sowing, planting, we need a vision. <clears throat> you know, ladies, when you start sowing something, you 
probably already <clears throat> know or picture in your mind what it's going to be like when you're planting flowers. You know what the end result is, even when there's just bare ground. You know how the flowers are going to complement each other and look. Also, learning to drive, again, learning to, to drive or learn. Landing a plane, if you only look right in front of you, when you're landing, it's not going to turn out very well. You have to learn to look, focus your eye on the end of the runway. <clears throat> Vision arises from our purpose, focuses our power, and enables us to see our potential. There are four steps, four easy steps to gain vision. You say, are these easy steps? What are these four easy steps to gain vision? Number one, dare to seek prayer and reading the Bible. <clears throat> That's an easy step that we can take. Maybe it sounds easier than it is, but... It's not hard to pray. It's not hard to read the Bible. And if we do that, our vision will improve. Number two, dare to dream. There's a quote, all men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds awake to the day to find that it is all vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men for they may act out their dreams with open eyes to make it possible. I'm not sure whose quote that was, but I thought it was an interesting way of saying it. Imagine the possibilities God is able to make known. Dare to believe, number three, dare to believe and have faith that God can and will do great things through you. Do we dare to believe and have that faith that God can do amazing things in our lives? Number four, dare to act. Attempt something so impossible that if God is not in it, it is doomed to fail. I'll just read that again. Attempt something so impossible that if God is not in it, it will, it will be guaranteed to fail. <clears throat> you know, that works in in endeavor, endeavors in business, things in our lives, but it also works spiritually, I think, to live our lives in such a way with so much courage to that it will require God to be in it or it's not going to work. Vision is the courage to do. As long as it, it is only thoughts and not actions, it is not really a vision. <clears throat> All right, just a few more things. Courage of vision. <clears throat> Courage of vision is to say, Lord, if that is you, let me come to you walking on the water. Matthew 14, verse 28. The courage of vision is to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, verse 15. The courage of vision is to say, 
If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, verse 31. The courage of vision is to say, the trials of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory of the next life. Romans 8, verse 18. And in conclusion, <clears throat> I believe that the Lord has a vision for each one of us today. I know that it's easy to get discouraged and to give up on uh, to give up on being available to God to be used in seeing the vision to through or to completion but I also know that unless we are moving in that direction we will not be content we will not be happy we will not be fulfilled so let's have the courage to to allow God to give us the vision that he wants us to have, to give us his vision. Let's kneel for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we before you close of the service. We are so thankful that you had a vision for each one of us before we were even born. You had a purpose for us. And we realize too often our vision becomes clouded and we don't see what you have for us in our lives because we become too fixated on what is immediately around us, immediately in front of us. And we need to take a step back. We need to take a look from your perspective as much as we can through your word, through prayer, to recalibrate our eyesight so that we can see what our purpose is in this life, what you have for us, what your calling is. Also pray that you would give us the courage then when we do sometimes see the vision and we, um, in our humanity, are afraid to step forward and see that through. We just pray that you would give each one here a vision and so thankful that we can also have a vision for the church. Help us not to become discouraged, but to go forth in power and in strength and in sound minds and live for you. Pray that you'd be with those that are in other places this morning, but you also seek your face and be inspired in their worshiping. Just pray now that you would also be with the services this afternoon, be with us as well, people that will be. contact with and have the words to speak to encourage them as well. This in Jesus' name. Amen.